past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and thank you for joining us here today. In this show, we talk about tools, resources that you need to take control of your own career, to grow your career, to advance in your career, or perhaps to launch out on your own, whether that's a, a business, a full-time business, or launching that all and growing side gig. So we're happy to have you here today. We're going to be talking about another topic that will help you advance your career. And today we're going to be talking about generations. The generations topic is still rampantly discussed throughout the common media, the popular media, and really it causes some distrust, angst, I even you know, heard people talking about it causing anxiety in people when they think or talk about others in different generations, which is interesting. We think about all of the ways that we classify people, all of the ways that we stereotype people, if you will, discriminate against people. And Generations walks around all of those other types of boundaries, all of those other types of bias. And no matter who you are or, or how great you think you've done at addressing other types of bias in your life, my guess is that there's still some of these generational things that catch you because they're so prevalent out there and there are so many people talking about them. Interestingly, uh, about two years ago, I started to see articles talking about, you know, move over millennials. There's a new group in the world and maybe kind of hoping that the articles would start to center on this new group instead of on millennials. And that really hasn't happened. We're still talking about millennials. And I want to talk about why that is. I want to talk about what these generations are. We'll do that fairly quickly because some of you may already know this information, although perhaps you see the conflicts that I see in how this generation information is shared and we'll pick that apart. And then I want to talk about some of the stereotypes and what's going on with those stereotypes, how they might be getting in your way, and how you can adapt if you are in a a position to be interacting with people from other generations, which most likely you are in work. We'll focus on work, but of course, some of this will scoot over into your home life if you're raising kids or or dealing with nieces, nephews, or perhaps even parents and aunts and uncles. So what are the generations and how are they defined? Most people define a generation by the formative experiences that happen when they are young. So some people talk about this between you know, 8 and 18 or 10 to 20, there's something that happens when we're in that age group where we're just starting to pay attention to the world around us. And we have these experiences that in some ways impact everyone in our age group in a similar way. There's that overarching experience that we all have around that same age. 
And as we talk about generations, of course, there's just as much differentiation within a generation as there is between generations. And there is truth to when we grew up having a impact on how we show up every day at work. So when we're thinking about how we work and how we interact with others at work, that is going to be formed by these types of experiences. And there's this kind of external experience that we might have, and we'll talk about some of those. There's also the interaction with technology that is a huge differentiator between these generations and the way that they interact with each other, the way they communicate and and prefer to communicate with each other. So when we think about the generations, we start with our maturists, traditionalists, silent generation who was born before 1945. So prior to 1945, these folks may still be in the workplace, uh, definitely some of these folks still in the workplace and leading companies or perhaps even have kind of stepped down into a part-time role, but they're still in, in our workplaces and bringing a lot of value from their world view. Baby boomers, 1945 to 1960, So you have that big generation, the second biggest generation, the the third largest in our workforce now, um, that just this last couple of years started to shift over to where they're the third, second or third, pretty close in terms of numbers in the workforce. Generation X gets passed over a lot. They're 1961 to 1980. And when you look at the workforce numbers now, Generation X has almost as many people in the workplace as these other generations now, where there used to be, you know, the boomers were such a big generation and and Gen Millennials were such a big generation and they were smaller. Now we're seeing that that is kind of starting to level out as the baby boomers retire. And so you have the almost leveling out in terms of the percentage in the workforce of these three groups, boomers, millennials, and Gen X. So they're no longer a small portion or smaller than the millennials and boomers. Millennials, of course, 1981 to 1995. This is where it starts to get a little bit wiggly because some people take that generation Y all the way out to 2000. Um, because they like to have two 10-year age groups to split into two groups, which really, when you look at Gen Y, splitting it into two groups makes the most sense because you have fairly different experience of those born in the 80s and those born in the 90s, especially in terms of the technology that they were going to be using. And then 1995 and, and after, you have your iGen, Gen Z, or cloud generation. I don't like to call anything an I. I'm sorry, Apple, I don't like to market you that much. So I prefer Gen Z. The cloud generation also works because that's what's going to define 
them, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. So you have these five generations, and in some rare cases, you can have all five of these generations in the workplace. You're likely going to have four, either maturists, baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, or four boomer X, Y, and those kids that just graduated from college who, in this definition, would be in Gen Z, not millennials. So what forms these generations? What causes them to be different from each other? One of them is going to be those formative experiences. So for the maturists, of course, you have the Second World War. They were just starting to kind of come into themselves in terms of being able to interact with the outer world when that was closing up. Um, There's very fixed gender roles. They had kind of clearly defined gender roles in and def- and they experienced gender in a very clear blue, you know, blue and pink kind of way. Boomers, you had the Cold War, Vietnam, some of those, well, I guess they put Vietnam in the Gen X. But you have these ideas of the Apollo Apollo moon, Um, landings, Woodstock. Our boomers are kind of a mix, I find, in terms of that family-oriented and then also the flower children and some of them experienced it much, that Woodstock culture much more strongly than the family-oriented youth culture that you see other places talk about. So, of course, we've got some variation there in the boomers, but those are the formative experiences there. Cold War, Woodstock, Apollo moon landings. Generation X, end of the Cold War, fall of the Berwetland Wall, um, Live Aid, as you're circling back around to go watch the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, that was definitely a Gen X movement, right? early mobile technology but not you know not into technology um with the smartphone the the smartphone came along when they were older in their late 20s or 30s right generation y 9-11 here in the u.s definitely social media so especially facebook myspace and dealing with um kind of that Google of the world, the invasion of Google <laughs> in in terms of our experience with the internet. And then your Generation Z, of course, they're just coming up, so we don't quite know what all of their formative experiences are. I do see Generation Z being different than Generation Y because of the economic downturn and where they were when that was experienced more being in their home versus Gen Y experiencing the the downturn more as young professionals trying to get into the workplace. There's a big difference there. Uh, it's one of the reasons I like the definition ending at 1995 instead of 2000. So when we look at these people in the workplace, um, as I said, you've got about a third, a third, a third when you look across boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, about a percentage of the the workforce. And 
that's causing a lot of clashes in our workforce, especially between the boomers and Gen Y, which is interesting because boomers, for the most part, raised Gen Y. um, And yet we're seeing some large clashes there in communication styles. Why is that? And how do you navigate that no matter what generation you're from when there is this kind of clash and and issues with communication? The interesting thing is, of course, that multiple studies have found we all want the same thing out of work. Boomers, millennials, Gen X, it doesn't matter. We all want meaningful work. I always find that interesting when people say, oh, you know, those millennials, they have to have meaningful work. I'm pretty sure all of us want that. Uh, Maybe how we expect it and how we talk about it is different, but we all want meaningful work. We all want work-life balance. Um, You know, some people say, oh, boomers, you know, they want that work-life balance. We all want that. We might define it a little bit differently and communicate it differently, um, but there's those commonalities. So if we all want the same things, what tends to get in the way is the way that we communicate around it. So when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those challenges, some of those stereotypes that might be getting in our way, and of course, strategies for navigating that and interacting better with each other. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America. America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. So today we're talking about generations and people talk a lot about generations and the issues and we read a lot about the issues that are happening 
I did this research for our Career Jam event. Every year we hold an event called Career Jam where we talk about what's going on in the careers industry. So trends in recruiting and resume writing and social branding, all of the things that those of us in the careers industry help individuals with on a daily basis and what's going on in those industries. And so we were talking about generations and how generations are influencing our work and then uh, did some research around generations for that and then attended a session today um, sponsored by MHS. They're an emotional intelligence product assessment provider. And they were talking about the differences in emotional intelligence in generations. So here's the news flash. Every generation goes through the same lifespan development problems, challenges, whatever you want to call them. So a lot of times when people are talking about generations, they're actually talking about lifespan issues. So people will say, oh, millennials are lazy. Well, every generation who's existed has thought that people in their 20s were lazy. So it's not a generational issue. It's a lifespan issue. Just like you might say, oh, you know, Gen X is greedy. Well, let's look at, is that a generational issue or is that a lifespan issue because people in their 40s and 50s start to worry about retirement and so they don't give as much or whatever. I don't know that that's a real thing. That was just a made up example from my head. But when you hear people talk about these issues, you have to think about, is that a lifespan issue? Would we have thought at any point in time that people in their 20s are poor? Probably, right? So when people talk about these generational issues, we have to really think about, is that something that's related to their generation, their formative experiences, or is it related to their age? And anyone that age at any point in time would some ways have that same issue. So when we talk about emotional intelligence, sound kind of interesting about this webinar because they're talking about generations. And then she did say that the presenter who whose name I'll look up at the next break, um, did say that emotional intelligence is a lifespan skill issue, not necessarily a generational issue. So younger people always throughout the history of time have had a lower emotional intelligence than older people. Makes sense, right? As you grow, as you learn, as you make mistakes in communication, you get better. So of course, baby boomers are going to have better emotional intelligence than Gen Y has maybe some to do with their generation, but mostly to do with lifespan. And it's always been that way, always going to be that way. What I think has changed perhaps is that we've focused a little bit more on these differences in generation and kind of pinned some of these things that we might see as negative to a generational issue when we need to dig a little bit deeper. So there are definitely issues around people being on the phone and not talking to each other in person. The biggest offenders of that in my life are boomers. (laughs) Boomers with their phones at the dinner table, boomers with their phones. And 
you know, I mean, you could think about your own life, but we all have issues with technology getting in the way of us having real relationships. Looking around your office, is it just the millennials that have their phones out at the meetings and it's getting in the way of them connecting or is it everyone? Some of these issues we might need to think about a little bit differently. However, there are some differences in how the generations perceive some of these things and especially the the use of technology. So let's kind of break this down a little bit. When you think about what age were you when TV came out, when you had a television in the home, you can definitely hear a boomer talking about remembering the age they were when they got a television at their house. You would never hear a Gen Y person talking about that unless they grew up in a home where the person didn't have TV, but even that was probably more rare in Gen Y than it's going to be in Generation Z, um, because not having a TV in the home was less of a, a thing when Gen Y was growing up and more of a thing when Gen Z has been growing up. When you think about when you got a personal computer, that is going to be a memory for a Gen X um, or if you're in, in my case, a Gen Y from a, a small town, <laughs> I didn't get a personal computer, but it wasn't because I was a Gen X. It was because I was, it grew up in a small town where that wasn't a thing. They're still trying to get internet to every house in the town that I grew up in. So it's a whole other layer of things that we put over generations. But most Gen X people will remember when they got a personal computer in their home, or perhaps um, when they were going to college, if they were from a, a smaller town or poorer or family. In Gen Y, it's when did you get your first phone, your first smartphone, your first perhaps mo- mobile phone? When did you get that? And that will be something you remember. Gen Z coming up, they're never going to have lived in a time where they didn't have access to that. Maybe their parents didn't let them have one, but it won't be that it didn't exist until they were a certain age. We don't really know yet what that might be. Some suggestions by some of the research that I was doing were um, 3D printing driverless cars. So they'll probably talk about that, right? When the real driverless car became a thing, we'll be in that Gen Z formative years, what will that look like? Very interesting to think about that. So that technology and our comfort with it, our dependence on it, our use of it as a tool in the communications process is usually where the rub happens, usually where the issues come up. And I'd have to say that as a millennial, I am guilty of this and working on it, that when a boomer calls me, I tend to email them back, which is actually a Gen X thing. Gen X loves email. Some text. But when a boomer calls me, I need to call them back, right? Because that is their preferred method of communication. The boomers I know are up on this stuff and really good communicators text me because they know Hey, Marie's probably a Gen X, maybe a millennial. They probably think I'm a Gen X, which is okay. And so they send me a text instead of calling me. 
because they're adapting to what they know would be my preferred method of communication. Obviously, there's going to be differentiation in here, and you're going to run across some millennials who do love to talk on the phone. But in general, your boomers are going to be pick up the phone people. Your Gen Y are going to be, why didn't you just text me? I never listen to my messages. And that's where the rub starts to happen. Well, you're rude because you don't call me back. Well, you're outdated because you call me. (laughs) And you can see our perceptions start to get in the way of what we really want to do when we're being good communicators, which is one, think about what the other person's preference is, maybe ask them, and then try to communicate in that way. If we both did that, on both sides of the equation, we would have better communication. So if you're in your office and you're thinking about, oh my gosh, why doesn't that person just pick up the phone and call me? They're so unprofessional or they don't know how to communicate. They have such low IQ, EIQ, international, emotional intelligence. It's just preference. It's preference in the way that they communicate based on the technology that they grew up with. How can we adapt? How can we cross those lines and maybe even share a laugh about it? Hey, you, yeah, I know that when I call you, you're going to text me back. That's okay. I'm going to leave you a message anyways. By the way, if you leave me a message, it goes straight to text and I read it. And if the text is messed up, then I might listen to it. Um, And I am trying to get better at calling my boomers back because that's their preferred method of communication. If we could take away some of the, you know, you're bad if you don't do it my way, we would be able to have better relationships with these folks in the workplace. And it may seem innocent or not that impactful for us to think about these changes in how we interact. But every time we have that little thought of, oh, they're so disrespectful, they didn't call me back. It starts to eat away at the relationship between you and that other person. Reframe it in your mind. That's their preferred method of communication. And that's okay. I can communicate to them. You know, I'd really appreciate it if we could talk over the phone. When's a good time? So that I can communicate my communications preference to them and if I am a millennial instead of thinking that person's just you know outdated because they're giving me a call I can share with them you know it's really easier for me if you text because when you call I may not be able to answer the phone because you know I've got this going on at work or that going on at home I think some of these things are lifespan things and if my mom would have had the option of texting when she had a two-year-old screaming and a baby, she probably would have wanted to text too instead of having to try to give someone a call and find a quiet place and have the two-year-old be even more annoying because now you're on the phone. There are some reasons, some lifespan reasons why uh, texting is preferred by, by some people even if they may not be in the generation you think they are in. So that's one of the ways that communication tools get in our way. The other way that I've seen this play out in in companies doing some leadership coaching with a gentleman and he said, oh, you know, I've got this boomer who's very frustrated because they see this millennial always on their phone. And in their mind, that means the person's not working because if you're on your phone, you're not working. Well, the millennial was saying, 
I'm using my phone to run this app that tracks work-related stuff. I think they were driving, and he was using his phone to track his mileage. And the boomer just couldn't get there. You know, oh, you're you're just not working if you're on your phone. So having some communication around this issue and what technology looks like to different people and how they use it can pick away at some of these barriers that we build up in between each other when we assume or when we pass judgment based on how someone does something and consider it a generational issue. They must have low emotional intelligence because they're always on their phone. Not necessarily. They may have low emotional intelligence because no one's giving them feedback and coaching them, just like someone gave you feedback and coached you when you were that age. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll dig in at a few other issues that come up between generations and how you can avoid them. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you tapped your full potential as a leader? Sometimes you have to go a little deeper and connect with your inner force. Join host Angela King as she invites you to discover something that already lies within you and helps you become a better leader. Your most important connection is the one you have with yourself. It's time to connect, ignite, and rise. It's time for Inner Force. Tune in live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. 
Welcome back to the Career Confidant. Today we're talking about generations. And we've been talking about the communication issues that arise, especially when I think about technology as a tool and what people prefer in terms of their communication. The interesting thing is that the marketing trends are talking about how really to get people's attention in marketing today, people are moving off of email and on to instant messaging. So if I can shoot you a message through Facebook or Instagram, you are there. If you have an account, you are there almost every day, the user data would show. And of course, those systems do a really good job of notifying you on your phone when you're not there. That's the best way to get your attention. That's a very kind of millennial moving into even Gen Z way to market to people. Um, Gen X loves their email, but email is definitely a challenge for most people. It gets full. They don't know how to manage it. Their main purpose is to delete things. So trying to market to people via email has been a challenge for a while. And now we're seeing a shift from that to the instant messaging, which is just an interesting in terms of communication tool and preferences and where people actually are and pay attention. The other piece of of technology in communication is how people prefer to to buy things. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, But before we move on to that, I want to talk about some of these work-related generational values realizing that I I think all of these are values for all of us. Interesting to look at the generations and think about what they want or or want out of work and how that may clash with each other's. So when you look at boomers, boomers were all about job security. So boomers wanted to know that they'd have a job. Um, Unfortunately, this kind of backfired on them later in life when they'd been at the same place for 30 years and then got laid off and, and had a hard time transitioning into something new because they had been so stable. Great benefit and great things for companies because of that and then kind of didn't pan out at the end. Generation X being the latchkey kids, so boomers were hard working, the, the older boomers were hard at work and for the most part, most of the Gen X folks that I know were latchkey kids, meaning that mom and dad weren't home after school. They were on their own. Mom and dad were out there hardworking, trying to build uh, stability. And so our Gen X people became work-life balance advocates. They want that work-life balance. They don't want their kids to be latchkey kids. Um, They are raising, for the most part, our Generation Z folks, and they're really teaching them the values of family, the values of home, um, the value of stability being something you create, not something a company gives you. Very interesting, some of the stuff that's coming up with those Gen Zs as a, a effect of what those Gen X's have been teaching them. Your Generation Y wants that freedom and flexibility. So they saw their boomer parents work and work and work themselves to the bone, never be home, and 
what happened to them after they did all of that work, they just got laid off. So they tend to be a little bit more skeptical about the relationship between a company and an individual, um, more entrepreneurial and not as loyal, but there's some good reasons behind that, right? When we look at what motivates them and why they work, it can also help see some of those clashes. Uh, One of my clients having a conversation with his boss, and I would think that this client is probably a younger generation X, but not necessarily a millennial, talking to their boss about advancement. And the boss was really pushing the money. You know, if you advance here, you can have this money. Well, that's that baby boomer's value, but not my generation X client's value. His value is, well, yeah, but what is that going to do to my life? If I get this promotion, sure, it's a lot of money, but what does that mean for my life? And what does that mean in terms of the interesting work that I may or may not get to do? And there's an assumption based on the baby boomer boss that money is the most important thing to my client. And if they had a conversation, the boss would probably find that they could save a little bit in salary if they would push some of that money into professional development for my client, which is really what he would like is to learn and grow and expand, grow skills, and isn't as worried about this, the security in terms of money. So when we're having those conversations to really make sure we're thinking about what does that other person value and how can I help them achieve what they want in their work and not necessarily what I think are the values in work. Maybe the most apparent when we're having cross-generational conversations, but of course there are grave differences in what even people inside the same generation are looking for. Asking may even, you know, save your company some money. So let's move into talking about buying. And I want to talk about this not because you're all selling something, but at some point you are selling something to someone. Whether you work inside an organization and you're trying to get people to engage in your programs or you're job seeking and you're trying to get someone to hire you or you are running an organization that charges for what they offer or not but are trying to get people to engage, you're trying to get their attention. You're trying to, you know, quote unquote, sell them something. Interesting, very interesting data here that when baby boomers want to buy something, they're starting to go online to do that research. They're starting to look at online portals and see what that says about something. They are using face-to-face, of course, but are moving online. Your Gen X online, face-to-face if time permits. So your Gen X really gets into looking at the reviews on something and doing their research and really likes that online piece of buying. Your Gen Y prefers face-to-face. This is one of the biggest mistakes I see and hear organizations making about engaging millennials. Oh, they're all online. Yes, they are. And they want to connect face to face. 
they want that face-to-face connection. They know they need it to grow. They know they need it to be a better leader. They know they need it to engage better. And they want that face-to-face interaction. So when we think about, and this was in you know Rotary International, um, my chosen volunteer organization, when I first started in, in Rotary, they were talking about how do they get millennials engaged. And in, being an older millennial, it was interesting to sit in there and watch the conversation because I was engaged, but no one was asking the millennials how you engage millennials or why millennials engage. And finally, went to a session where they were talking with people in my age group, older millennials, and asking them why they engaged. And the reasons were much different than what people had been talking about. Although they might have found about it, found out about it online, they were engaging because they wanted that face-to-face interaction because they knew they needed mentors and sponsors and advocates and coaches, and they couldn't find those just hanging out with other people their age, and they couldn't find those people online. So they were going to organizations like Rotary where they could meet people in different age groups who could serve as those people in their life, those mentors, those coaches. And I think Rotary kind of missed the boat there because they got so focused on being online and starting online organizations that they missed this group of people who was really looking for a way to connect in person. And online is great and having an online component is probably necessary to engage the younger age groups, Gen Y and Gen Z. However, that face-to-face component is still something they know they need. And always thinking about this division between the two groups of millennials, you have the older millennials who are in their 30s, 30 to 36, and you have the younger millennials who are in their mid-20s, say 24 to 30, and they're very different. Your older millennials, most of them are in leadership positions in a company of some sort, And they know they need leadership skills. They know they need emotional intelligence. That's one of the points I would kind of argue with the webinar I was on today because she said, you know, the the millennials think they have emotional intelligence. And I would say that most of them that I've talked to and even the, the research that the DeVry Career Institute did showed that they know they need leadership skills. They know they don't have them. They know they need those. And they know they need to get them in person. So if your organization is trying to do professional development for that age group, include an in-person component. It might seem backwards to say that, but that age group is looking for opportunities to grow those skills and they know they need them in person. And that's part of, I think, why they're buying more face-to-face, but we'll dig into that here in just a minute. And then your Generation Z, and I'd say all of us are doing this in some ways, is crowdsourcing solutions. So getting online and asking people, what do you recommend? Or, you know, who's the best person for this? Digitally, but yet relationally sourcing solutions. And if you are wanting to attract that age group, and really it's the way people are talking about now, you know, how do you create a buzz? How do you get things to go viral? 
it's really about creating community because it's that community that will help you push it outwards as everyone starts to more digitally source their information. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a few more buying trends from these generations and then wrap up some takeaways for you. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about generations kind of the definition, what they're expecting out of work, and then we've moved into how they buy, what they are looking for when they are deciding on a purchase. So this data is from Acosta, which does a research every year about the why behind the buy. Very interesting. So acosta.com, and they're talking about groceries, but there's some good takeaways from this. So Thinking about if you sell to these audiences, and and we're using sell in a broad way here, right? If you're interviewing, job seeking, building, marketing a program, whether it's for pay or, or not, how do people buy what you're offering and, and what might be of interest to them? And some laced in here, just some interesting trends in general. So your silent generation and that those group of people that were born before 1945, sometimes called the maturest silent generation, 72-ish, 70 plus. And um, interesting that they have really that sense of value and I can remember 
<laughs> eating donuts with my grandparents and they were in this generation and them splitting the the donut in half right because they had gone through the depression so they may have been one generation before this but they would cut the donut in half because you you knew that you didn't really need to eat that much and you could save the rest for tomorrow so that comes out of this group's either experience of the depression or rationing they're they're big on value they I have fixed incomes, of course. Um, and if you read the AARP, I feel like AARP is not really marketing to this group anymore, perhaps because of the fixed income and they're not as big of a group anymore, but they really wanted different things. So if you are in healthcare and you're marketing to that audience, a lot of it is about value and what am I getting for this fixed amount of income that I have to spend. Then we move into our boomers, of course, that bigger group, age 53 to 70-ish. They are big into downsizing. They are using more technology to purchase. And in some ways, that's kind of novel for them. So they might be using it more than you think they would be. They like locally sourced things, which is also interesting. How could you make what you do about being local? if you're trying to attract that audience. And this group um, tends to not be as into texting. So some recruiting research came out of, you know, what do people think about recruiters texting them? This group is not as into that. The technology that they'll use would be more in social media. This group is big on Facebook or in perhaps your messaging. Gen X right now is the bigger, has a lot to spend, right? They're 37 to 52, so they have good income. Maybe their their kids are starting to go to college, um, get out of the house. Gen X is big on loyalty to brands. So they were your Calvin Klein generation. Those people that really got into the brand of what I'm wearing, If you get Gen X to be loyal to your brand, that will really help you in what you're trying to sell or or promote and get people engaged in. They love their digital coupons. Um, My husband is a little bit older than me. He's definitely in the Gen X and he is a Groupon junkie. Um, He will get him to buy your thing if you have a, a Groupon and make it sound interesting. Millennials. Use technology to shop and, sh- shop and save. So they're also big on those apps and maybe more app as well as the coupons. Driven by speed. So they're your Amazon Prime generation. Expect to get everything quickly. Aren't going to wait. Really about convenience and variety rather than brand loyalty. So I don't really care what brand of something I'm buying as long as it's good enough quality and I can get um, some variety or get it faster. Of course, you'll see a lot of things about how millennials are quote-unquote killing industries. Saw some research around that that's saying, well, huh, it's just due to money and that they don't have that much money. 
And by the way, which group of millennials are you talking about? Because when you talk about millennials killing home buying, you're probably talking about the 24 to 30 year olds. Guess what? They're not buying homes because they aren't there yet. And they are getting there slower than other generations because of the shift in wages and home prices, right? Wages haven't gone up really as nearly as much as home prices has gone up. The percentage of income that we spend on mortgages is double, triple what boomers, the percentage of income that boomers spent on their homes. Um, had someone comment on an article I shared that, you know, there's this competing data out there. Some say we're the biggest group of home buyers and then others say that we're not buying homes and because of the sheer size of the millennial generation, you could probably find data that would prove both of those points. That's the fun thing about data. So if you're thinking about selling to those audiences, you also want to think about where they are in terms of social media. There's some great Pew research data that shows what age groups are using what technologies. You have to be careful careful with the millennial data when you look at that because Millennials 30 to 36 still on Facebook, millennials 24 to 30 on Snapchat, Instagram, the millennial generation, very different in terms of what types of technologies they're using based on that split in the age groups. If you're trying to engage someone in your job search or engage someone in your programs, it will do you well to estimate their age and really think about how you communicate them with them, phone Boomer, email and text, Gen X, text and social media, Gen Y. How are you going to communicate with them? How are you going to connect with them? And how can you do that in a way that fits their communication style? And to question yourself, to challenge yourself when you start to think about something being a quote-unquote generational issue Is it perhaps just a learning issue and an opportunity for me to help that person learn these skills? Is it a communication issue and we simply need to talk about how we're going to communicate with each other, what tools we're going to use? Can I adapt to their style or is it important that they learn to adapt to mine or maybe a little bit of both? And in all of these cases, communication and asking before we assume giving people the benefit of the doubt. If we do assume, assume positive intent will help solve some of these generational clashes that come up at work. We're always here to answer your questions or share your ideas, talk about topics that you are interested in. Please feel free to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.